We all have these expectations for ourselves, whether they're sort of societally imposed or not, that make us super lonely. You know, I'll never forget oh, my one of my kids, her fifth birthday party. I had, you know, done all this shopping for this birthday party. I got this gluten-free cake. It was hard to find, got all the decorations, everything. And I get to the party and I open the cake up and my mother, she goes, what a little cake. And then as if that wasn't bad enough, (laughs) when my daughter went to blow out the candles, they relit and it turned out I had by accident gotten those joke candles. And so she kept blowing and blowing and she was five and I thought she was going to cry. And I thought this is the loneliest gig ever. I mean, (laughs) you know, because I think the reality and I'd love to hear what you guys think, but I think the reality is just culture, a lot of that stuff falls on us, you know, and you can be surrounded by people but that job is your job, you know, and not just birthday parties, but so much of it is your job. That's definitely a narrative that I feel like I'm supposed to buy into. Do you guys feel the weight of that? Yeah, the idea that you have to remember everything. I, I feel like that weighs most heavily on mothers. Mentally and physically, I feel like. Hey, hey, Holly. Hey, Amanda. Welcome, Lit Mamas. You're listening to This Mama is Lit, the podcast where we explore the multi-sided questions of motherhood. Every other week, we'll be bringing you a new unfiltered chat with another mama writer. I'm Amanda Fields, Editor-in-Chief of Literary Mama and a Divorced Mom of One. I'm Holly Rizzuto-Polker, Profiles Editor at Literary Mama, mom to three amazing children, and a cute Jack Russell Terrier. And I'm Brianna Avinia Tapper. I'm also a Profiles Editor at Literary Mama, and I have two small children. Hey, you guys. Hi, Jacinda. Welcome. Our guest today is Jacinda Townsend author of the insightful and emotionally devastating novel, Mother Country. Mother Country tells the story of two women who both become mothers in the book. The first woman is Surya, an escaped teenage slave from Mauritania who is living undocumented in Morocco with her daughter, Yunmi. And the second is Shannon, a middle-class black American woman who is visiting Morocco with her husband. Shannon has recently suffered a car accident and is likely infertile. When Shannon meets Surya's toddler, Yunmi, in an alley, Shannon decides to take the little girl back to the U.S. to raise as her own child. Mother Country is Jacinda's second book, and having finished it, I'm excited to dive into her first award-winning novel, Saint Monkey. She teaches at Brown University, and she's been involved with Literary Mama for quite a while. She published a creative process essay with us in 2009 called Unbricking that's both inspiring and funny. And she's done some great interviews with us as well. She spoke with fiction editor Lolita Pierce for the July-August 2022 issue. 
So you should definitely go back and check those out. Jacinda also contributed a beautiful piece to the collection My Cesarean, 21 Mothers on the C-Section Experience and After, which was co-edited by none other than our fearless editor-in-chief and co-host of this podcast, Amanda Fields. I've been sitting here wondering how old Holly and Brianna, your kids are. I'm a 10, 14, and 17. Mine are 2 and 7. That was my favorite because um, mine are also five years old. Two and seven was my favorite. And I'm so jealous of you right now. Oh, now I have oh, to really God. take advantage. Now I feel like <laughs> I got to enjoy it. God damn it. <laughs> just in, it just changes so much, right? My son had his moving up ceremony. And of course, like on the same day, all those Facebook memories are coming up. And I'm like, oh my God. It's still okay to hate it, Brianna. Like, you can hate it as long as you're living it, right? It's like, oh, man, I hate that this two-year-old or this five-year-old wants me to play the same game. And if I don't follow the rules exactly, I'm in trouble. And I just can't remember all of them because my brain is a sieve because I'm a middle-aged mom, right? You always hate it when you're in it. It's only the beauty of seeing it in retrospect. I mean, right? Like, yes. Yeah. Today on This Mama is Lit, we're talking with Jacinda about trusting your parental intuition, about her fabulous international adventures in parenting, about the difficulty of entrusting your children to people you don't necessarily trust yourself, and about the freedom that sometimes can be found in parenting without a partner. If you were to describe yourself as a mother in five words or less, how would you describe yourself? The mom from Hideous Kinky. Okay. (laughs) Tell us about her, because I don't know Hideous Kinky. (laughs) Okay, so Hideous Kinky, it it actually really happened. It's a great movie starring Kate Winslet, but it's also a memoir about a mom who, in the, uh, I want to say late 60s, early 70s, when Marrakesh was sort of on this hippie trail, she took her kids to Marrakesh, and she just set them free. You know, one of them actually, the the woman who wrote the book, Esther Freud, she came back to London with like no teeth. I mean, she really set them free, you know, (laughs) but in the movie version of this, there is a sense that the children then gain a lot of power from being set free. Um, And, and I think that, you know, I'm a very free range parent, I think in reaction to my own parenting, which was really kind of authoritative and controlling. I have really let my children be free. So a significant portion of mother country takes place in Morocco. And I hear that you have traveled to Morocco several times. And many of those times you traveled with your two kids and no parenting partner, which is amazing. <laughs> I had trouble with, by myself with my two kids in my living room. So I'm trying to imagine traveling internationally with them. So what was that like traveling with your daughters in Morocco? Gosh, we really grew up a lot there, you know, and, and I know Amanda's been to North Africa. I don't know if you guys have been to North Africa. You, you have, yeah. Priyana. So you know what I mean when I say it's kind of like an abusive spouse. It's like every 
third day in Morocco would be just completely magical for us. <laughs> and then there would be two days of just complete brutality, you know. I mean, we had to figure out how to really come together as a family sometimes and deal with things. You know, there was this one just crazy, crazy 48 hours. And my, my kids, when they talk about it, they're like, we were homeless in Marrakesh, which is a little bit of an exaggeration. We had this verbum. And so I show up with all our things because we weren't there for two months that summer. So we had all these suitcases. I show up and this, it's this little teeny tiny room. The bathroom was like way up on another floor. And the, the man who owned it, his mother was living on the first floor. And she kept asking me, like she was asking me in Arabic. And so he was translating to French, but she kept asking me like, why I was there with no man. Okay. <laughs> so I was like, I don't, this really is not going to work, you know? And so he was like, well, I have another apartment across town, which be interested i was like yeah sure he's like well there's no hot water i was like that's okay we've we've done that you know he's like well there's another thing and because i'm living in it and i was like that's just really not gonna work so i took the kids to the gar the train station in marrakesh and we just sat there for hours. They were then two and seven. They were going up and down the escalator, just having a good time, getting escalator grace all over themselves, you know, and we like got a pizza at lunchtime. <laughs> we were having a ball, you know. So finally, we, t we went to this chain hotel. It's called Ibis. And I went downstairs after the kids went to sleep and there was a guy sitting there with the bucket of beer. And he invited me to come have a drink. And then he tells me he has this apartment. So I woke the kids up. It's like the middle of the night in Marrakesh. And we're like riding in this guy's apartment. And there's like rain music. I mean, it was the craziest, most surreal evening. And, and we got there and the apartment was terrific. It was great. And he said, I'll come and get you tomorrow at one o'clock. And he calls me crying. And I <laughs> What's wrong? He's like, my wife died. I'm like, that's terrible. When did this happen? He's like, six years ago. <laughs> so we ended up, long story short, we ended up, I just caved. I went to Century 21 and I got us an apartment. But in that 48 hours, I really had to depend on them and they really had to have faith in me, you know, and, and there were so many days in Morocco that were like that, where we just really came together as a family, you know. I love that, you know, the metaphor you used of the abusive ex-spouse. Yeah, just that idea, like from living in that area or that region, I just remember, I just always expected chaos, like at any moment. You know, and I became very chill about that. But also I was always ready to be assertive and aggressive about it too, if I needed yeah. to be. But it's like you just sort of like chaotic things are happening and you're just like, okay, um, this is, this is what's happening for everyone around me, not just me. Right. And yeah. so you kind of like get acclimated to that. And that must have been a great experience for them. Right. Did they acclimate? Like, do they think they'll go back to Morocco? Like, how'd they feel about it? 
One of them absolutely loves Morocco, always wants to go back. My older one does. My younger one, she's a little bit of a, she's kind of a Kardashian. I don't know how, but she it just really <laughs> likes, she likes the parts of Morocco that are air conditioned with sugary cereal. She loves that part of Morocco. So I don't <laughs> I don't know when that one will go back with me because okay. that's not how I travel. So <laughs> we have a picture of her in the Sahara. It's really funny. And she has her the back of her hand to her head. And I remember that day so vividly because she said to me, she said, you will never bring me back here again. <laughs> you know, it was like we had just, um, it, well, it was the middle of the desert, you know, and she was really, really, really not pleased but i think in you know when i show her other pictures like she was sandboarding down a dune i think she may remember it in in a good way So, Jacinda, you were a mother in Morocco, and you wrote a novel about two fictional mothers in Morocco. There's a section where Surya has to leave infant you with another prostitute when she goes to work, and you write about Surya praying for you's well-being while she's gone, and then returning to her daughter, and you write that she didn't know whether she'd find you with mustardy french fries smeared across her chin or with a welt on her backside where Rashida had lost her patience. And you write that when Surya did come home to her daughter, you would come crawling across the foyer before the heavy Riyadh door could even close against its threshold. Surya could never tell from you's face whether she'd been treated poorly, but often you seemed so residually afraid of what had happened there in the Riyadh she wouldn't ask for Surya's breast. She'd close her eyes, this baby, and fall right to sleep, at last, in her mother's arms. There's other places in the book where there is this deep longing for a child that are still upsetting to think about. So what was that like for you as a mother? Did you experience that kind of longing for your children? Yes, the, that, the scene that you're referencing, I think, oh gosh, we've all felt that, right? Like, I, I, I remember, you know, almost every time I dropped my kid off at daycare, she would just scream and cry and I would feel so bad. And, you know, they always tell you, they're like, if you saw them like three minutes later, <laughs> see, they, they didn't even care you were there. But that's not what you feel when your child is like screaming for you because you're leaving, right? And so I, I was really familiar with those, those feelings. And then there is, you know, as Amanda can probably attest to, when my kids are with their dad, I feel like the worst mother on the planet because they are not with me. You know, there some of the worst sort of feelings I have in my whole lifetime have to do with that, mm -hmm. that I have had to leave a child who did not want to be left and that that child could not have contact with me. And I think that that probably the sort of like emotional landscape that that create has created in my head 
is something that I would say subconsciously sort of permeated the book a lot. I mean, I also sort of deeply know that sense of, of wishing your child, wishing you could protect them, not knowing whether they're being protected or not, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I was just thinking also knowing deeply that, you know, the other person, right? Like you have knowledge of this other person that your child doesn't necessarily have. They will, they'll have insight, right? Eventually, but you know something deeply about them that you don't want your child to experience. Exactly. Yeah. And in my case, it was domestic violence. And I knew that he had the capability and the sort of lack of control. And it was just awful. It was every time I dropped my kid off, it was the worst feeling, you know, it remains the worst feeling. So I think that feeling is in the book big time. How did your relationship to your mom change or not after you became a mother? (laughs) (laughs) Because my mother was such a controlling person as a mother, she really believed that my children were her children. Mm -hmm. And that manifested in some super super toxic ways like when I I had an ultrasound and she had not wanted me to have it and she said to me literally she said that is my baby that you're damaging (laughs) you know so yeah it was it it was out there and so it got to the point where I sort of had to contact with her in order to come into my own like personhood as a mother she had never been that controlling before I, I think what I learned from that is that her sense of herself was so tied to motherhood that that's where all of that authoritarianism was going to really come out of her. And so she wanted me to come their hair a certain way. She tried to pick out their names. And so it wasn't that long into motherhood that I decided, like, I just couldn't, I couldn't deal with it, you know? And so we have a very tempered relationship post my becoming a mother. You know, probably... This is why I was so interested in interrogating motherhood in this book, in Mother Country, because it, it meant that I didn't really have a, a, a model. Like I didn't have, I didn't have anybody to give me advice about anything, literally nothing. There was nothing she agreed with. She didn't, she didn't agree with breastfeeding. She, she said, she, this is a very Kentucky thing. She said, that's something women do in the mountains. And so, I just stopped telling her anything. I stopped consulting with her. Um, and I, there would be times like one trip I went and when I went to Mauritania, I left the kids for a couple of weeks and I left a very detailed list with her, you know, it's like, they are going to eat this and this and this and this, and they're going to. Did she follow the list? And how did you get the strength to know that you were doing it? Okay. Even though she was being so critical. Where'd that come from? Ironically, it's because it came from her. She is the first person who told me, she said, when I was little, she would tell me this. She said, when you become a mother, you will get all sorts of power. You will be able to tell people no. 
you will be so protective of your kids. And so I was like, yes. <laughs> In fact, here I am with my list for you. <laughs> I, I like what's what's come up here too about how, you know, children have to eventually set those parenthood boundaries with their own parents, mm-hmm. right? You know, and I think you does that, starts to do that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. In the book. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When she runs away, um, that that chapter, I really, that I was pretty determined to have her voice in there and that, and I was determined that she would have some agency. Um, so when the chapter, when she runs away, I thought was a way of sort of making that happen, you know, um, giving her her own power in this book. Okay, if your kids were yeah. going to write a tell-all <laughs> about their childhood, what would they say about you? Lord, I would just die. If they wrote a tell-all about their childhood, they would say that I am really determined about what is and is not going to happen under this roof. That's a phrase I use all the time. You're not going to do that under this roof. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> 